0: If you are interested in leaving your job, if you'd like to unshackle the golden handcuffs and leave your J-O-B, you're going to love this upcoming podcast episode. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott back here, so... Hope I got your attention on the opening tease of today's podcast episode because, you know, I have conversations a lot with people that are looking to potentially make a transition away from a job. Somebody who's maybe been in a career for many, many years and maybe they're just feeling a little bit stuck and maybe they're feeling that they've got those golden handcuffs are so tight and they don't know how to make a transition over to the life of an entrepreneur. So the first thing I'd have to share with you is, you know... It's not all sunshine and roses, you know, don't let the romance of being full time in the business um, cloud your decision to make the right decision for you and your family and the path that you're going on. So what I've been doing over the last couple episodes, one part, the one I did before this with, with, with Mr. Michael Bug, is we shared some insights onto how he left his career as a veterinarian. And in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a lot more of a detailed tactical how-to's mindset and that with my guest here today. And my guest here today is Mr. Jamie Gruber. Now, for many of you, you probably might be familiar. If you've listened to every one of my podcast episodes, you'll be familiar with the name of Jamie Gruber. Jamie, I had the honor to be on his YouTube channel probably a couple years ago. We did a couple segments. He released that to his, to his audience. I, we did a webinar together. He's just this wonderful, uh, generous human being who's building out an amazing, massive community out in the, in the U.S. and going global, if you will. And Jamie just had made a transition to walking away from his job. Now, I'm not going to give you any of the um, details of the story, but he, he moved on from a significant $300,000 plus a year job, security, pensions, equitable events, all those kind of things there. And what we did was we kind of walked through the process of what he did to go through and to walk away from his job. So guys, if you're in this boat in that boat, where you're maybe wanting to make that consideration, and maybe you're not in your 20s and 30s, which it might be a little easier to make that decision when 20s and 30s. But you know, Jamie made that transition in his mid-40s. And we walked through the, the thought process. We walked through some of the tangible steps he took. We walked through some of the budgeting. We walked through some of the emotional things that he went through. And what were the simple steps that he took in order to do this? And how long was that transition? So I could go on and on, guys, with a lot of details in this. But Jamie and I go very in-depth into this topic. And if you'd like to have more information around these kind of things. Let me know. And maybe we'll book a webinar. Maybe we'll book a follow up conversation. And maybe I'll bring a few more guests on because you do need some support in order to make this transition. All right, make sure you stick around right to the end, guys. I have a very special message for you at the end of this podcast episode. So, you know, without any further delay, let's get after it.
1: Jamie Gruber. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I love being here. I I love being with other bald men. It's it's a great experience for me. It makes me feel better about me. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's relatively fresh for me. And yeah, I'd love to offer any insights to your audience I can.
0: Well, that was funny. Before we got started rocking and rolling here, we had to make sure we turned the lights down because it we, we made the joke about the glare the glare twins a little bit here. I I, I can see a lot more hair follicles on your, your end than mine. So yours yours is by choice, mine's by nature.
1: To an extent. My hair doesn't grow in very nicely. It kinda like it goes in the zigzag direction. So it's it's a choice, but it really isn't a choice. So. Yes, yeah, so today's podcast
0: sponsored by Hair Club for Men, please. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no kidding, right?
0: uh, Jamie, so so before we dive into it, listeners of my podcast and viewers of my YouTube channel, you've been introduced to Jamie kind of informally over the past year or so. Jamie, I was on your YouTube channel probably yeah. a couple of years ago now, and we cut down, so we cut some really cool uh, topics, and we dove into some things there. And I've used that on my podcast. So now I'm going to set this context up for this story, and we're going to get really into this, and we'll get we'll go deep. So it would have been probably about. She's better part of two months ago now. I was uh scrolling through the the Facebook world and one of my favorite Facebook groups is the multifamily and more group that jamie runs and in there there was a sign or, or I think you put a little meme up it says i'm 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 quitting my job my j o b yeah. Facebook live Sunday night at nine o'clock or something like that. It was, and I'm going, holy moly. So I tuned into it and I think I caught the replay and, uh, you just shared this heartfelt story about your, your, journey that you were going through. And, you know, and it, it, it started, it brought out some emotions for you of leaving a job of, I think it was 21 years at the time. And, uh, you're making that transition into going full-time into the business. So that's the main context that we're going to dive into here today. But before we dive into that, Jamie, what I wanted to do is for people that are not fully aware of Mr. Jamie Gruber, can you give us the the nickel tour of the backstory about yourself?
1: Yeah. So I'm a native New Yorker. I lived in Boston for a number of years and currently live in Michigan, all all down here in the U.S. So uh, welcome and hello to my, my northern neighbors. My path of my career from about the age of 21 through now, which is the age of 42, was that I worked in the insurance industry and the insurance claims Uh, Department specifically as a claims adjuster, later a supervisor, then a manager, and then I I kind of ascended to a uh, an executive level position. You know, I I was I use this for context. About forty thousand employees in the company, large large Fortune one hundred company in the United States, and I was probably in the top three hundred of those employees as far as just what my title was. So that move to Michigan was all about that, and in that timeline as well is when I found the idea of you know passive income and real estate investing, and then personal development and personal growth, and it really over the last few years, set me down a path that I didn't ever anticipate going down, culminating with me leaving my job recently. So that's kind of the teaser for it. Uh, In the middle of that, I built a community called multifamily and more that you just talked about, which is uh, seeks to sort of create uh, content and connection for folks that are looking to invest in real estate, generally multifamily, maybe most specifically, but that more piece allows us to talk about mindset and other things and later on and we'll talk about it I I, I partnered with uh, a mastermind I belong to to build a, a kind of a goal-setting course and mastermind with them on the personal side married for 11 years to my lovely wife Sylvia she's a native of the Dominican Republic I met her when when we both lived in Boston and we have two small boys six and three years old that yeah they're they're, they're, they're the coolest and most frustrating humans in my life and yeah we, we just sort of we do our thing down here so that's me yeah. and I'm not sure.
0: Wow, there's there's a lot that we can unpack just in that uh, two three minutes that you did already. Um, so quick question for you: Native New Yorker? New New? Is, oh, sorry, New Yorker is it New Yorker or New Yorkian? I guess no, New Yorker.
1: I think is something on Star Trek, but yeah. Okay, new Yorker. good. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So, and then you've spent some time in Boston. Are Are yeah. you a New York sports fan or a Boston sports fan?
1: You know, I've morphed. Uh, my home base is the Buffalo Bills. So for those of you that are from Toronto, you know uh, that's my team. I grew up with them, and and they just I, I've always loved the Bills, still do to this day. And thankfully, yeah. finally they're relevant again. Uh, well, so you're a sucker for punishment,
0: is what you're I right am.
1: saying. Twenty years of it, yeah, uh, and four Super Bowl losses. But uh, the Yankees are kind of the other team that I follow, but again, not as much as I once did. Beyond that, to be honest with you, I kind of morph like, yeah, I was a Rangers and Knicks fan when I lived in New York. And then I kind of became a Celtics fan and a, and a Bruins fan in Boston. And to be honest with you, I actually like going to Red Sox games more than going to Yankee games. The atmosphere, of the stadium, the whole kind of setup is really cool. So, uh, yeah, the Bills are my home base and I kind of morph a little bit with the other stuff. And even baseball, I'm starting to waver a little. Not really having a fan, uh, not really being like a Boston fan, but just not so committed to being a New York fan. So.
0: Right, right. So so guys, I know the majority of my audience will be Canadian, so I'll try my best to translate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. Well, Bruins did make sense. The original 16 Rangers too, so that's got to that's gotta resonate. <laughs> yes, right on. So, all right, so let's get into this. So
0: multiple different directions want to go down to. So before we do get into it, I see you had a little chuckle when you were telling about your profession that you had and you were in the insurance industry. Claims, adjustments. I actually find when I heard that the first time, I actually found that very hard to believe because you, you are sorry, I'm making a a very gross overgeneralization here, but you have so much personality and you have, and you're such an extrovert and you're such a a connector and you're such a people person. I would have never guessed that you would have been in that world for that many years.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. You're you're right. Most people assume I was in sales when I say insurance. Like, hey, can you get me a better rate? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm on the claim side. I try to explain that.
0: You were you were but, Ned Ryerson from the Groundhog Day. You know who Ned yeah, Ryerson? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, you know it's it's interesting. I, the company was. It's a great company. Still is a great company. The culture resonated with me. Very uh, forward thinking. Always changing and adjusting. Very dynamic, and I enjoyed that. And claims, to be honest with you you know, there's, there's a lot of influence required. So, and it wasn't as if I, I understood what my skills and strengths were at 21, but man, I was pretty good at, you know, somebody got rear ended and there's a scratch on their bumper and they're saying, owie my neck. I was pretty good at going into their living room and saying, well, look, how about, how about we talk about this injury that you're claiming the likelihood of it being more than what it is. I want to protect my policy holder here. If you take this you know, nominal settlement, sign a release that, you know, I was pretty good at that. So the, the personality stuff and the ability to kind of interrelate and influence, I guess you could say served me as a claims adjuster. And because I was so good at that, I quickly moved up to the next level and the next level and was really good at coaching that stuff. I mean, even, even like insurance companies, uh, and I'm sure it's the same in both, both uh, the U S and Canada, there's a lot of benefit to refer a damaged vehicle through their preferred network, not I don't think most insurance companies take any kind of kickback from them but it's just consolidated it's efficient and it and it really is the best business model. I was really good at getting on a call and somebody got into an accident kind of run of the mill. Yeah, I backed into something. Cool. Well, hey, listen, you know, I, you might probably have a shop in mind, but I think this is the place you should go and here's why. So, yeah, as as you're right as extroverted as I as I am, that extroversion served me in influence when dealing with direct people and then later coaching my employees to kind of execute on that. The I think the actuarials would be the bigger. So if I were in the right. actuarial business or underwriting, <laughs> that would be a bigger surprise that I was there because that my mind does not work in that way. At
0: yeah, all. we'd be talking <laughs> about pivot tables and, yeah, and we yeah, we're yeah. talking about all that wonderful stuff on life right. expectancies and all that really fun stuff that we want to dive into in no insurance
1: world. No <laughs> if you get hit, I know what to do.
0: <laughs> so what what was the highest level that you reached within your career profession?
1: Yeah, the the title was director. uh, And for context, it would be like my departments were about 150 people, say about 120 adjusters. 25 30 supervisors few managers and maybe a process specialist reporting directly to me that's what that was and you know from an income perspective if you're cool with me sharing i mean it, you know it put me in like the 350-ish year a year range but the bigger carrot dangled is the equity so every year you would get a stock award that was restricted so every year that you would get it say it was 50 or 60 or seventy thousand dollars whatever it was that year's award would take five years to vest in this particular company every company does it a little differently but so every every year you get this award but it's like it's not yours until later so no matter what you're always somebody's always got that fishing pole out with the carrot at the end of it and you're always chasing it but you know when it does vest every year you know you vest a third of a year a third of a year here a third of a year there or whatever and yeah you you know it builds up a little bit so that was the major reason I wanted to get to that level to be honest with you and it was you know great compensation
0: Wow. So I know there's going to be lots of people that are going to be listening to this and watching this. And I have conversations all day long with people that have had that, the golden handcuffs, if you will, yeah. making 350000 a year. You have equitable events that occur each and every year. You have, you know, I know we're going to talk about Canada here for a second, but when we go to a hospital, it doesn't actually cost us anything, but you would have yeah. benefits. You would be able to have a lot of those things. You would have insurance. You probably had an incredible rate on insurance being within the industry. No?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no discount there. So no, no. <laughs> so
0: so you had you had what people would consider you had you had it made in many respects. That's what people would consider that you had it made. But how were you feeling during that? How were you feeling? How was your energy? How was how did it feel about you uh, doing your, your job?
1: You know, it's funny. It's funny. I I didn't you know until later and, you know like now or even within the last year or two. I didn't really see the signs that were there years prior, but then in retrospect, you can see exactly where I started to break down a little bit. So I had a role at one point kind of in, in my path toward this director job. And if anybody has a job, you probably have this experience of, Hey, you know, you've got a big runway or a long runway. That's a common corporate statement. You're doing this right now, laterally move to this role and then laterally move to this role and then laterally move to this role. So you get all these experiences, you become marketable for that promotion that you want. I did that. I played that game within that. There were some really great experiences. I got to travel 45, 46 weeks a year, hop on a plane. And that serves me. I like seeing new people every week. It was cool. Not great with a wife and kid at home, but it was cool for me. One of the other roles I took on was sort of a department that no one knew what to do with. It was like, Hey, we've got this. We think something could happen. We really know. We don't have any structure or process around it, figure it out. And that was kind of my entrepreneurial venture, if you will, within my company. And it, I loved that. I love being able to create and have vision and get my team together and put things together and all of that. So I did all those things, but somewhere in there, it just, it was like, all right, I'm going for this director job and that director pursuit. And I applied across the country in Texas and New Jersey and in Indiana and in all these places and got turned down, turned down, turned down. So it was, okay, let me round up my skills with this, round up my skills with that. Focus fully on this director thing, this goal and, you know, anything else in my life, even though I, there was an emptiness there, I couldn't recognize it because I had a singular goal. I was going to be a director. Once I hit the director role about a 30 day sort of honeymoon period. And I had to move from Boston to Michigan. There's some logistics with that. There was a a package, you know, like a a relocation package, but it was right about then. It was like, man, I, this isn't what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. You know, like I don't feel fulfilled in achieving that goal. Like I thought I was going to feel fulfilled. The reason I say in retrospect that I was having those feelings prior to me ever getting the director job, but just couldn't see them or feel them because I was in this pursuit was that I did start to read about real estate. And I did start to kind of convert my mindset around this accidental home landlord situation that I had from years prior into more of an asset mindset and an asset in itself, as opposed to this property I couldn't get rid of. So I was starting just before I got the the promotion finally to think about it and look at it and dive into this real estate area. But yeah, once I got the job, completely hollow. It was the worst year of my life, to be honest with you, that first year in the new job. And, you know, I attribute a lot of that to the fact that I was just completely misaligned, unknowingly, completely misaligned with who I wanted to be and the new identity that I was forging and who I had become. So,
0: yeah. So I think you answered it already, but I just want to just book in it and get the clarity on this. So was there a moment that kind of this was the straw that broke the camel's back or was it a kind of a gradual drip process, if you will? What would you assess it as?
1: I think it was gradual. There were moments after I kind of said, okay, this isn't what I want anymore. There were moments within that, but it was gradual. It was. At 25, 26, they were, you know, I'm four or five years in and I'm a manager at this point. So it's, you know, fairly prestigious. You know, there were points at which, any, you know, any 25 or 26 year old thinks about doing something more like, is this really what I want my life to be? And then I just sort of buried that and moved on with life and, you know, get over yourself. It's a quarter life crisis, whatever. Same thing at 30. and And then when I got into my mid thirties is when it really just started to kind of ramp up, but there wasn't like a, Specific moment, it was like along the way there were little clues or hints or or that little inner voice popping up here and there, saying "You sure? You sure you want to go further here?" And I would just like, "Yeah, shut up, I'm doing great, leave me alone." And then it just got to a point where the voice was too loud and I couldn't really resist it anymore.
0: Yeah. Did you set a date that you were going to hand in your resignation note? And and how long? I want to get into some of the tactical nuts and bolts because people are probably sitting going there. Oh my goodness, Jamie, your story exactly is where I'm at how did you do it? And people got their pen and paper out and they want to know the how-to steps. And sometimes it's not just necessary. It's a how-to, it's more of a why-to more than anything. But if there was a process that you went through, I would imagine you're a very diligent guy and, you know, you don't just go do things willy-nilly, you know, family, two beautiful children, amazing wife. You just don't go one day and just say, I'm going to just go quit my job and flake out, right? So you probably went through a process. So when, how long did you set the date for when you were going to give the notice?
1: I guess it was three years and and it wasn't, there was no rhyme or reason to it, to be honest with you. For context, 2017 is the year I moved to Michigan, got this director job and I was, you know, hey, I got the job I wanted and then sort of lost fulfillment. It was a trying year, like I said, where, my boss and I were at odds. She was under pressure for the position I just filled. That department was just underperforming. So she was under a lot of pressure. You know, she wanted like a three day timeline for things to get better. It was going to take months because people had to be fired or demoted and then rehired. And I was moving people from other parts of the country to replace key positions within my organization. So, you know, immediately we were at odds, my loyalty, this is like 18 years in and I moved, from New York to Boston to Michigan without knowing anybody, my loyalty was questioned within three months of being there, just really, really difficult times. I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't feeling good about me. I felt just completely broken. And my wife, this is a moment, my wife said, hey, look, we moved here in part because you were gonna be home every night, right? You were gonna be here as opposed to traveling 45, 46 weeks a year, and you are, you're here, But you're not here like you're just emotionally and and mentally you're just checked out. I, I don't you know, there's nothing here. So, you know, kind of figure this out. So that year was very, very difficult for me and it. I, we had invested in a couple of duplexes and I was getting interested in real estate, really just looking for something else that I could grab onto. It was like I was sliding down this slippery slope and I was just looking for a branch to grab onto that encouraged me, that made me feel good, something I can escape to. And real estate kind of became that initially. So the first thing I did, honestly, was start to immerse myself in education. So I was reading books, I was listening to podcasts, I was doing all of that stuff. The next thing I did was join a mastermind. I joined a multifamily mastermind. We had had the two duplexes. They were great, but I thought, man, I I'd rather buy like 10 units at once cuz buying two duplexes at the same time was just a lot of work. Like to do it with a 10 unit once would be better and so I found this multifamily mastermind and I dove into that and I just started to really get sort of tactically aware of the next thing. But the thing I didn't appreciate or underappreciate through that was I was grasping at tactics. I was grasping at maybe a way out when I wasn't going back and you know kind of going deep and illuminating the issues or the trauma or the true like what's going on here in 2017. It wasn't my boss. It wasn't the move to Michigan. It wasn't the goal or the job or anything like that. There were much deeper rooted issues that I needed to resolve and bring to light. And so real estate was the beginnings of it. It was the tactical way for me to fuel a dream of being financially free and moving away from my job but i realized at a certain point like i got to get like some personal development work here done so i ended up joining a mastermind specific to personal development meaning it was more about the whole life it wasn't about a specific tactic and getting around people and re kind of reforming my community around me away from like let me make the call after work to a coworker to you know kind of bitch about the day and now it was like i've got this group of people that i can dive into these forward thinking like minded entrepreneurial minded folks that's who I'm gonna you know, network with and call every day on the way home from work. And I just started to reform my community. So all of that is to say, I got educated first. It led me to, to realize that all of it is, useless without a strong foundation or without strong roots and getting at the personal development side, the mindset side, working on what's between the ears. And then really just finding a new community of people that I could operate with, learn from, and just make things normal. Like, you know, if you go to the gym and you work out with people that work out a lot, then working out, you know, you get how to do it. It's like, I'm with these people. I work out harder. They drive me. Same thing. I needed that community to kind of work me out as far as if you're going to take a step to the next level, these are the kind of people you're going to want to be around. So those were the sort of the foundational things somewhere along the way in that development, I got the idea of, you know, vision boards and miracle mornings and habits and all these things that served me. And I started to implement that and I put together a vision board. This was in 2018. And on that vision board, I printed off a picture. I actually found it recently of a woman with her hands out on a beach, like, and it says financial freedom on it. And I wrote April, 2021. And I don't know why I just wrote April, 2021 on it. And it's interesting not to flash forward, but I didn't realize it. I put my notice in, in March and my last day was April 9th of 2021. So I set that date a few years ago, kind of trusting in the idea that if you place the vision out there and then just sort of put your head down and every day sort of take steps toward it, one day suddenly it's like, oh wow, I can do this. So
0: Holy moly. Okay. So let me unpack a few things there and let's, let's go <laughs> I down I go, so, I so, go a little long. You no, Jamie, I've, I have some popcorn here, by the way, I'm just going to pop some corn and, and I'm just mo- gonna mo- let, let Jamie just take this. Th- Welcome to the Jamie Gruber show, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. Um, so really it was three years ago. It just kind of, you had one of those years that just say enough is enough. So you picked the timeline and you, you made a decision. Would have been the first step one for if we're keeping track of that. In hindsight, do you think that was too long of a transition period or it was just it is what it is, what it is?
1: Yeah, I think it it was anybody setting a vision or a goal of any kind. I think it's got to challenge you because at that point, I'm like, the hell am I going to walk away? I mean, three years isn't a long time. So how am I going to do that? But. It kind of excited me as well. So when you yeah. find that balance of like, that's, that would be cool. I just have no idea how, and nor should you with a vision. I don't regret the timeline. I think it was the right. I mean, I could have done it yeah. sooner, I guess I could have taken longer, but it just felt right. Honestly, no, anyway.
0: here, here's the more, what I tell a lot of people is it's not potentially the time. It's actually that you made a decision. That yeah. is the, yeah. the power, because to think about it is you had a new carrot that you were going towards, and it was a carrot of your choosing and a carrot of your design. And that's what yeah. you were working for. And that's what was giving you essentially your motivation to do your five to nine job. You had your nine to five, and that was your motivation to do your five to nine job. And, you know, take your vacations. We're going to probably mastermind retreats. Your vacations were going to seminars. Your vacations were doing a lot. And you're bringing your wife and family along. For And I say that because I know the story, right? I've seen yeah. it. I've been there. So you talked about education. You talked about community. And you talked about really changing your environment environment is really kind of changing yourself. And if I could really summarize it, you changed your standard of what you wanted for your life in many respects.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thousand percent. Correct.
0: (laughs) Now, one of the biggest things that the hang up a lot of people will have will be the financial aspect, right? So you technically had a $300,000 income stream that you Mm -hmm. potentially were going to walk away from, right? And that might be some people's big hang up on that. Did you formulate a plan? Were you starting to do some other investing on the side? Did you have like additional side hustles and times of the side hustle? Did you have to take a step back? And I know there's a lot of questions in there, but I'm just trying to find out is, did you kind of go through a rigorous financial planning model in order to make this transition?
1: You know, never rigorous. That's a, That's a strong word. I wouldn't say rigorous. I would say that I think the steps I followed were first to create that vision that I talked about. And when it came to planning, the plan changed. And I want to take this a step back. The biggest thing that I struggled with then, and then when I exited my job now and talked to other, you know, 40 to 45 year old men or women, kind of in a similar position to me, was wow, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you're doing this, leaving your job. I would love to. I just. I don't know what else I would do. I have a lot of people around me that are really smart people, doctors and that don't want to do what they're doing anymore, like a doctor, right? But their biggest struggle is they don't know what else to do. And they spend a lot of time and effort exploring that through reading, listening, talking to people, being coached, all of that stuff. And all of that is extremely valuable. But what I did, the original plan was I'm going to buy a bunch of multifamily. That is my path to financial freedom. And if you listen to any real estate podcast nowadays, and it's true, like, all right, well, how many, how much are you gonna make per unit if you're gonna buy and hold? How much are you gonna make per unit? How many units do you need to make? Whatever that number is, people put 10,000 a month or whatever it is out there, buy that many units and there you go, check, math formula. And it's true, but as I started to acquire, you know, our first and our second multifamily property, what I realized was that my plan was changing. So I went from, I'm gonna be an operator, I'm gonna buy real estate. Okay, I gotta analyze the number of deals per week and I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And it was like, ugh, some of this stuff doesn't feel good to me. I don't like analyzing deals. It's just not me. I'm not a guy that likes, we talked about it. I'm not a, an actuary. I'm not going to sit down and analyze a bunch of deals. Some people love doing that. I don't love operating. I don't want to deal with tenants directly, but some people love that part of the job, right? Or part of the business. So I started down the path of multifamily and what I would, just to kind of make it very clear, this is what I would recommend anybody does at this point when they're thinking, okay, what's my passion is pick whatever you think it is. For me, it was real estate. I thought. So I started down the path of real estate and there's so many things in real estate that I could pick from, right? Like, no, I don't want to be an operator. No, I don't want to underwrite a bunch of deals. Yes. I like the cash flow. Yes. I like the wealth accumulation and, you know, the ability in in our model to refinance and take tax-free capital out and go buy another one and all that good stuff. Right. And I, you know what, I really like the interactions I get. So going to meetups and meeting with people and talking about this stuff, like I kind of like that. So all right. If I get rid of this stuff, I don't want to be an operator. So a hire a property manager, and my partner can do the underwriting and all that stuff. But I kind of like this interactive stuff. So let me do my own meetup. So I start my own meetup. This is the whole multifamily and more thing. In the course of doing that, like wow, I really enjoy the meetup and getting people together. But I don't interact with them enough. It's like once a month. So how about a Facebook group? And now I can interact there. And boy, I kind of like going live in Facebook and maybe just giving some some information about you know things I've learned or a property I looked at or walking through a unit that I'm turning and. Then it became more mindset focused content. It's like, I kind of like this. So let me develop content on Facebook. So on YouTube and all of that led to, you know, the multifamily and more brand expanding to multiple chapters across the country. And it's like, okay, I guess I run a franchise model now. I kind of like this and giving information to the leaders of those chapters to help them run the best meetups in their markets that they can. And all of that led to, you know, okay, I'm in this mastermind and this mastermind wants to put together more of a mindset and goal focused course and group and everything. And like, Yeah, I like that even more than talking about real estate. Like, so it started with I'm buying real estate. That's what I'm going to do. And then I had to like kill off 86% of what buying real estate entails is what I don't like and narrowly focus in on the 14%, kind of systematize the rest, and then take that 14% and make it a wide pie, make it my new 100%. And then kill off 86% of the stuff that I don't like about this new 100% and focus in on this 14%, which is now you know where I am right now. And I fully know that in a year or two years, I'm probably going to kill off like in course development, online course development. Like I like lead generation. I like getting in front of people doing podcasts. I like all of this stuff, but there's certain aspects. I was just on a call with my consultant that I'm hiring long-term to like, can you build out the email flows? Can you build out the follow-up mechanisms? Can I incentivize you to sell X number of courses and pay you for that? You know what I mean? Like, so the purpose part is what keeps people in the job i found, or I learned, especially when I walked away from it. Like, I don't know what else I would do. But the problem is people sit there and think about what else they would do. And they're trying to like find the thing that goes, yes, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I'm going to give you a secret. It doesn't exist. Mostly. I'm sure priests and other people could uh, dispute that. But for most of us, it doesn't exist. So for me, it was taking the little elements of each venture I started down, getting rid of the stuff I didn't like, or maybe even just killing it all together. There's probably a couple of things I started doing. I'm like, nope, don't want to do that at all anymore. Just 0% of it Will I continue. But taking the parts that I did like and then leaning into that and saying, okay, this is where my gift is. This is where I just seem to have energy. I mean, you can see it now as my cadence picks up here, but this is where I seem to have energy. So let me keep, you know, continue to do that. And look, I'll give you the other tactical thing. And this was for me, go back to sixteen. I don't know about you, Russell. When I was sixteen, I wanted to be Bob Costas. For those that don't know who Bob Costas is, he's a huge sports caster, probably the one of the most famous ones in the United States. I wanted to be Bob Costas. I was a pen pal with Bob Costas. I went and uh, I had a radio show locally that I did, just like a one-hour pick'em show on Fridays for the NFL games, and you know it was all great. And then you know at a certain point, I didn't want to go through the process of becoming Bob Costas. I wanted to go to college and be Bob Costas, like in the NFL booth. It didn't work for me, but. That communication, that influence, that performance thing was always there from my age of 16 and it's manifested itself now in being on this and other podcasts and creating content and putting stuff out there on YouTube. So it's interesting to see how where I'm leaning in and the things that I'm getting more and more value out of for me and the things that I'm more and more passionate about were really the elements of what I thought I wanted when I was 15 and 16. So another thing you can do is, what, would I, what did I really want to be and why did I? And what elements of that could I put in place now and maybe try that in some different form? Like, I didn't plan then to be on podcasts. They weren't even around back then. Today, but it is the medium by which I'm taking care of that itch that I wanted to scratch years ago of communicating and being influential and just giving value to others through what I see and what I know and the connections I have or whatever. That's how I've manifested that. So again, mouthful, all of my stuff is going to go here, man. I apologize. (laughs) We got flames. Um, Mr. Gruber, you are on fire right now,
0: my brother. (laughs) I love the flame. So when you're just dropping bombs like that, we actually have to drop a bomb here for you.
1: I got to get this off. This is amazing. (laughs) I love it.
0: Oh, Jamie, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but you were just, here's the thing that I would say, guys, is number one is you, Jamie, you grew into it and you just literally followed your passion and you just let your heart tell you if this is feeling right, let's keep going with it. And then you didn't have, you had no attachment to letting some things go if you needed to let go. If it didn't serve you and didn't serve the purpose and didn't serve your mission to help a community of people, let it
1: go. That's hard because I told everybody I'm going to be in multifamily. And then it was like, I don't really want to be an operator in multifamily, but I like this brand building thing. And then income can go into multifamily that other people take care of. So I see I'm still in it, but you know, what I projected I was going to be is not what I was. And that was hard for me prior to going through development work to sort of, you know, allow the ego to be wrong. And when somebody goes, Hey, I thought you were going to be a multifamily, not let that make me feel bad about me, but be like, well, yeah, I thought I was too. But I found that there's other things I like doing even more. And I still invest in multifamily, but these are my active activities that I enjoy even more. So yeah, yeah, a lot of that holds us back, just perception of others. Well,
0: you said something key is it's our ego and it's our identity, right? As if you identified as I built this entire thing on multifamily and more, and that was what I was known for. And then all of a sudden, you know what? I don't, really don't like it that much. Being the right. day-to-day operator, I love the asset class. I love investing. I'm going to go find some wonderful people that have amazing projects, and I'm going to put my capital into it, and I'm going to get all the benefits, but without all the work, right? Yeah. And so you did all that. But I do want to circle right back to, um, and I just want to tie a bow on the question about the sure. financial aspect of it, because oh, yeah. that is the biggest hang-up people will have is I'm not going to answer it for you, but did you have to take a little bit of a step back? Did you have some yeah. savings in the bank? Did you have some other additional income streams? Walk us through a little bit just to wrap a bow on that.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for bringing me back. So all of that following the passion thing, all of that applies here. So I put the goal out there or the vision of April 2021, started buying multifamily, then you know built the community of multifamily and more, and then started to work on this uh, course and mastermind that I mentioned called Emerge and Ascend. So all of this kind of leads up to a point where I took a trip in early February, my family and I went down to Florida for a month just to get out of the cold. And I drove I had my kids toys and the two dogs and all of that for two, three days. My wife and kids flew a couple of days later, and it just gave me time to think. And on that trip, it was like, okay, where am I right now? Like my real estate takes an X. This course, a mastermind that I've built or really kind of call it pre-profitable, <laughs> but you know, they have potential to do something for me. What do I have in the bank? What would I allocate? You know, what would I need to make sure I have? And then what are my? what's my burn rate? What are my expenses a month? And for me, like it was sort of a moment of pride that we live fairly modestly as far as what we have to pay. Like we do other, we travel and we spend money, you know, go 300 bucks on a dinner. We'll do that. It just, we like the experiences, but it boiled down to, for me, kind of figuring out, all right, for me to operate a home for my wife and kids. So that was for me, mortgage, heat, electric, car, car insurance, Wi-Fi, and phone. Those are to me, for some reason, the list of items that I needed to know, okay, how much is that costing me per month? Because at the end of the day, I can find a soup kitchen, but can I pay for my kids and my wife to have the home that we have and for us to operate from it, like have connection to the world and you know all of that? And it came up to $3,400, which I was like, wow, that's actually not a lot. And then I just sort of said, I'm forgetting things. Let me round up to $4,000. So $4,000. Okay. Assuming I don't make any money at all, and I have to burn, you know, four to $8,000, just double that for food and health insurance and other expenses that we're going to have. Right. So if I'm going to burn that. I make no more money. What do I have in the bank? And it was like, I could last a year. I could last a year on say $8,000 a month without making a dime. But I know I have my day job, which is demanding. I've got my family, which is not going anywhere, nor should it. I've got this multifamily and more platform. I've got my multifamily property, and I've got my Emerge and Ascend mastermind community. And all of these have revenue potential, but I spend a lot of time over here, you know, focused in on this. A guy I talked to last night, John Brooks, he's a friend of mine, made this great point. He, uh, somebody asked him about like, you know, side hustling. And he goes, I've never met somebody that that's a part-time millionaire, meaning, You're in or you're not in. And for me, it was like, I got a year's runway that I could, I have saved right now. Now I'm not saying like, you know, like I'd rather invest that money. I'd rather do other things with that money than just like let it sit and hope that, you know, I, that I I don't have to spend it. So I've got a year's runway. I've got this day job that if I kill it is going to take my revenue, my income down to zero, but I can focus over here fully. If I can make 4,000 a month, just to kind of like stabilize my home, or if I have 4,000 a month to keep my home. So on the drive down, it was kind of, that was the analysis. Like, here's what I take in from real estate. It's not much, a few thousand a month. Here's what I take in from real estate right now. Here's what I could make potentially if I really push and drive. And I got like the sense of peace of like, I think it's time. Like I can't split my time and energy anymore. And again, not to get overly philosophical and it's not specifically a financial, but two things kind of occurred to me. One is that 25 year version of me or 30 year old version of me didn't do certain things because he was 25 or 30. You know, I'm a 30 year old man. I can't just quit this job and go pursue whatever I want to do. Like, you know, who does that? But at 42, I look at that 30 year old version of me and say like, you were a kid, you were you were an infant. You could have done anything. What are you kidding me? So if that's the case. Why not look ahead at 85-year-old version of me? And what's he going to say? Is he going to say, man, look, I wish you would have just played it safe and stayed unfulfilled for the money? <laughs> or is he going to say, you're 42, dude. Like, take a shot. Like, What's the worst that happens? So all of that was there. The second thing, I talked to a guy that did this. He was a Google employee, made a few hundred thousand dollars a year, had about 20,000 a year in income from his real estate and made the decision, I'm going to cut Google and I'm going to go full-time into real estate. And with this analysis was something I call an asymmetric risk analysis. Now I sound like an actuary. And that is that my fear of my very binary thinking was I either hit or I lose, right? Meaning like I go to a million or I go to zero if I leave my job. But zero is not really realistic, meaning I'm employable to a certain degree. My expenses are fairly limited as I described. So at the worst in a year, like I can make 50 grand a year or 60 grand a year doing something. I can go back and be an adjuster for a hundred grand a year, right? I've got that experience. Like I can do a lot of things for money. I can get a job. That's the low side. The low side is that, you know, we have to downsize our lives a little bit more. That's the, that's the true downside. It's not living under a bridge because I'm out of money. The real downside is I could lose like my home and have to live in an apartment with my family, which my wife will still love me. I hope and all of that, but the upside is asymmetric, right? The upside is God knows who knows what I could make. So, you know, so that was part of my analysis. It was part, okay. Financially, again, this is like while I'm driving back of the napkin, like, here's what I have, here's what I need to spend, double it just to like, you know, for stuff that's going to pop up in a month. I'm good for a year. I've got income coming in from some of the work that I had done over the past two, three years, the real estate. So that'll cap it and all of that stuff. And then, you know, this asymmetric risk analysis, and then philosophically the idea of the 85 year old me. And then the last thing that happened just before I got to my destination in Florida was I got a call from a friend of mine in Boston that I worked with. And he says, Hey, just want to give you a heads up. Paul just died. Like Paul, Paul's 50. Yeah. Walked into the hospital tonight, two young kids, you know, a little chest pain never came out. And it was just like, one life, man, you got one shot to live. And that was sort of the cementing factor for me to say, I've got the money I could spend. I mean, granted, not maybe the way I want to, I can continue to focus my time and energy to build this thing that has revenue potential. It's time to walk away from the job. The last piece of the story. And this is where I get woo woo right about like the universe and people bringing all this stuff to you. So my mind, I'm like 4,000 a month, right. To, to have my home and everything. The next day I get a call from a friend and he says, Hey, I've got this thing. I want you to help me sell this thing. And I'll put you on a commission schedule if you're willing to do it, like just as a side hustle. I'm like, well, funny you say a side hustle because I'm thinking about maybe leaving my job. So yeah, what do you got? So he explains the commission schedule and he shows it to me. And I'm like, there's a gap here. Like you're paying me more per month than what the commission is. He goes, Oh, I put in a base. I said, Oh, what's the base pay? He said 4,000 a month. And that to me was like, done. All right. There it is. Signs. Somebody up there is saying something like for two days in my mind, I'm like 4,000 a month. All I need is 4,000 a month. And the next day the guy calls and says, I'll give you that 4,000 a month. So that's not reliable. I was ready to do it without that, but it was kind of a neat sort of add on. I guess you could say that that number, that specific number was put in front of me the moment my energy aligned with where I should be going. So yeah. it was well, proof.
0: interesting to note is sometimes creating that space and going on that Pilgrimage, you had that pilgrimage down to Florida, just yep. gave you the time and space and capacity to think about it. When you arrived after your destination, you had a peace about you, did you not?
1: Oh, thousand percent. In fact, yeah. I, I was thinking about leaving right then and there. Like, I'm here. We've got the sick condo for a month. It was amazing. Like, what if I left right now and just enjoyed my month in Florida? I didn't, but there's part of me that thought about doing so. So, a lot of peace. Yeah.
0: So, one of the advice I would give some people is if you're wrestling with that decision, guys, create some space. Because between the silence between the music notes is where the music is created, typically. 100%. So just having that capacity and that space to think, to maybe come up with some plans. And then I would imagine, so you came there, you arrived, and then how did the conversation go with your wife at that time about, I'm ready, I'm done. And it probably been a two and a half year buildup where she, yeah. it wasn't something you just out of the blue and said, honey, I'm leaving my job all of a sudden, right? So what was that yeah. conversation at that time?
1: Yeah. So, and and real quick before that, to your point, my wife and I have implemented a quarterly solo weekend for each of us. So every quarter we go away on our own somewhere. Like I literally got a room at the Hampton Inn about a mile and a half away from here one weekend, just no kids, no wife, just me, a book, meditating, just time. What you said, that space to think. Whenever I, that long drive and I've had other long drives where things come to me, whenever you give yourself space, it really does open up. My wife does the same thing. So we just sort of trade off once a quarter. She was prepared for it. She had been ready for it. My wife is very supportive. In fact, she was a little overly supportive to the point of like, you're way too comfortable with this right now. (laughs) Like, can you challenge this? Like, am I being completely irrational walking away from this job? She's extremely supportive. The conversation was pretty easy. Like you said, it wasn't like it was now. Like we had been talking about the idea of this for years really at this point of me walking away. And now it was just a matter of assuring her that I had some plan and it was what I mentioned you know, how much I have in the bank, what I can make. And then, oh, by the way, I just got this call with this guy saying he'll pay me four four grand a month. So all of that together made her feel really confident with the idea of me walking away.
0: So you were really at that time, you were at peace with the decision that you were about to make. And, you know, you had full support right from the get go. And
1: I did. And I catch up a real quick. I think the other part of that is, you know, as people have this, that's a barrier, right? The spouse, if they're not supportive, but I believe there's and to an extent that your spouse is gonna go with what you give them. In other words, if I sent to my wife, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about thinking about doing, I guess we could. I've got this, whatever. But instead, in my situation, I went to my wife with a very like, look, I think it's time. This is why. this is what's prepared for it. Like she it would have been hard for her to deny me my passion and deny the energy I brought to this decision. Like it was hard for anybody in that moment, I believe, or would be hard for anybody at the moment, to look at me and say, there's no way he's going to make it. There's no way this is going to work. It, it, I mean, it would have been hard for anybody to say it, say anything other than, wow, okay, I see it. I'm going to trust you on this. Go do your thing, you yeah. know, or you have a year or something, you know, so.
0: Well, here's yeah. the advice that I would give everyone about that conversation with your spouses. Have the conversation often. Have it early. Don't be a guy. Show some emotion to share how you feel. But here's the biggest piece of advice I would give you would be, um, be very mindful of the promises that you make at that time. Be mindful of that you don't over-grandiose it and you don't oversell it. Don't try to make it more than it is because uh, you know, it's gonna it's difficult. It is a very difficult transition and it's not gonna be simple. And when you're starting to reach into the cookie jar above the above the covered where the emergency money is, and because you need something to cover something or things like that. Just be mindful that uh, if you're going to say you're going to do it, be mindful of the promises that you keep to your spouse, because it can go the opposite direction very quickly of unfulfilled promises to your spouse, and it has a downward spiral of trust.
1: Yeah, and- you know, it's funny about, you mentioned, uh, like, groundwork, right? So. As I said before, you know, people sit and wonder what their purpose will be and never take action towards something they think it might be, and then pivot and pivot until they find what really maybe gets them so they can move forward. The same is with your spouse. So, you know, and it wasn't intentional, but, you know, as I entered the realm of personal development and understood the value of being balanced, not just you know, about my income, but also about my relationships, I would do things intentionally. Well, one, you know, listen to podcasts and listen to to people talk about, you know, how they manage their relationship and, and all of that. But the biggest thing that I did was I would on a weekly basis, I sit down and plan my week. And one of the first things I do on my best weeks, especially is I'll go to my wife and I've done this for a long time and say, Hey, what's your week look like? And whatever she has going on, I'll seek to over deliver on that. So the quick example I've used is you know, Hey, uh, if you can just get the kids from daycare on Tuesday, not only will I do that, but I'm going to work from home Tuesday. So you don't have to worry about me being stuck in traffic and not being able to get them. I don't want you to have any stress that day. So wherever I can not only deliver and meet her where she is, but then over deliver and be the best version of me for her. Yeah. I don't want to say it's tactical, but at the end of the day, I think that sort of goodwill and that way of approaching your spouse, in my case, my wife, I think that leads to a level of trust and a level of, Hey, you know what? I know what this guy's about. I know what he's trying to do. And I'm going to go with him on this journey, as opposed to, if you're trying to do this, you know, tit for tat with your spouse of, you know, I did the dishes today. You need to do them tomorrow. Like I always do this and you never do that. Like, you know, I never worried about comparing cookie jars, if you will. It was always give her as much as I possibly can. And I don't want to say I cashed the check when I left, but I'm sure that has an element to do with the foundation of our relationship allowed her to be supportive of this. So just a thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just make sure your guys is over communicate, share how you're feeling and yeah. share the struggle if you are struggling. And, and I'm just I'm looking at myself and my camera in the mirror of saying is I'm terrible at sharing when struggling and it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of human and your spouse wants to be on board to potentially help you if you are struggling along the path. But here's the thing is many of you may never ever have the struggle and you may just go right into it. But I just want to be real with a lot of people. It is a big transition. It is a challenging transition. Even if you have all the plans in the world and you have everything set up, you can have the greatest plan in the world. And there's the old Mike Tyson quote is everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Then, what do you do? How do you pivot? How do you have that communication? How do you have your spouse as being an ally and not have divide come between you along the way as well? So, yeah. Oh, Jamie, we could go many different directions on this conversation from here. And you know what? I could probably book you another two or three times that we can dive into this. One of the things is if I have permission, I'd love to have a follow up conversation is because you're one of the best, what I would call, online community member, networkers, connectors, things like that, and how you manage your group and how you do all that kind of stuff. We're not going to get into this today, but what I would encourage everybody to do would be to jump into Jamie's Multifamily and More Facebook group and just watch how you interact. And, you know, Wednesday is hump day deals and Thursday is share this and Friday is, you know, tell us your wins. And you're very gifted when it comes to the connecting and community building. So Not I'm going to leave that. it there. Okay. Yeah. Um, talk to me about uh, GoBundance. What is abundance and how did you kind of get into that? And I know you mentioned a little bit and then also about your Emerge program. And is the other one Ascend? Ascend? Ascend. Yeah. Ascend. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit about those, please.
1: Yeah. Abundance was what I found as far as, you know, started down the multifamily mastermind path and really specific and tactical. And then I found I needed a community and GoBundance has been that. So GoBundance is a, uh, call it a high net worth mastermind. So you have to have a million plus net worth to join it. It's an all men's mastermind, although there now is a women's division as well. And the idea of it is that we seek to be balanced across six different pillars. So as members of this group, so, you know, we are as interested in passive income as we are health, as we are adventure in our life, we call it bucket list adventures. And there's an underlying sort of dependency around accountability. So the cadence of the group, if you will, it's a community, not a curriculum per se, although there's a lot of content in there and we have great speakers and events and all that stuff. But more than anything, the guys that I get to interact with, my accountability pod, as well as other networking sessions that we have. We all are trying to be a certain man. we all trying to be as good a husband as we are a father, as we are a business person or an entrepreneur. And we hold one another accountable to whatever man we say we want to be or whatever things we say we want to do. So that's what Go abundance is. And that's the group I would make phone calls to after work, as opposed to calling, uh, you know, a coworker, whatever it was. I'm around entrepreneurial millionaire men, hard driving, driven, who also want to be, as I said, the most well-balanced. I think our tagline is, is the tribe for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to live epic lives, right? So that's the community I'm a part of. Emerge and Ascend were, you know, again, in the story, multifamily investor. Then I start this multifamily and more platform. And there's a little bit of a, you know, it's out there, people see it. And, you know, I've got this platform and Instagram account and all that stuff. The folks that founded GoBundance who are all very, very high net worth said, Hey, we want to build, they call it like a JV, like a junior varsity or, a, or like a D league program for GoBundance. Like we want people to have a place to come to get connected to GoBundance that aren't at the millionaire level yet, but can be developed toward that. So kind of like, you know, a place for them to do that you built some communities that, you know, we like what you do. Do you want to partner up and do this? And I said, all day. So they had the idea for Emerge and Ascend. They like those terms. I'm like, all right, well, how do we integrate this? So brought a team together and we really, we really figured out that, you know, we're going to make Emerge a course and we're going to make Ascend a mastermind. So, Very quickly, Emerge is a 12-week goal-setting course with a curriculum drop every week. It's centered around a book that the GoBundance founders wrote called Tribe of Millionaires. And what it seeks to do is create transformation for its members. You're going to set a goal when you enter with tools and tactics that we give you. And you're going to move toward achieving that goal at the end of the 12-week program. And along the way, you've got the community and there's accountability and all those pillars of GoBundance supporting you. So that's one. Two is proximity. So every week, one of the GoBundance members, man or woman, does a Q&A session with us. We call it a millionaire case study where we get to deep dive their success. It's inspiring. It's educational. Every Tuesday night, we do that. So that objective is met through that, as well as just connecting some of the folks in Emerge that are really participating to GoBundance members that may be in the same space. We do that as well. And then thirdly, I'm using Emerge as a filter. So those that complete the course do all 12 assignments, whether you hit your goal or not, we'll invite you to Ascend, which is an annual mastermind on the level of a GoBundance without the millionaire requirement. We have speakers come in. We've had uh, Magic Johnson's agent just spoke to us. We have Dr. John Demartini coming to speak to us soon. So we have speakers come in. We have group coaching. We have accountability pods, a lot of great stuff in that community. And that's what Emerge and Ascend are. And truly, when when Emerge started to hit the three-month mark where people were ending it. And the feedback was coming in about how, how much their lives had changed. That was January, just before I went to Florida. And that was where I felt that emptiness truly, you know, closed up and fulfilled, like, wow, putting something in place with my team to create transformation in their lives and then getting that feedback. Like that's where I want to spend my time. And that's what made me say, it's time to go. It's time to quit the job. Okay. So Jamie, I'm just pulling up go
0: here on the screen. So GoAbundance.com would yep. be that now as I'm scrolling down here. So I know this makes for bad podcasts when I'm talking about something visual, but okay. where is the part that you're talking about for the Emerge and yep. so Ascend? Just
1: put a splash on it. So goabundance.com slash Emerge and goabundance.com slash Ascend are, uh, are the two things.
0: Okay, so guys, if you want, that's probably the link that I will do there. So is there kind of like a, an introductory for somebody to get in, maybe and maybe go through a, a little mini course or something like that? What's, what yeah. would be the next so, step you would recommend
1: people to do? Go to, to abundance.com slash webinar. That okay. link should still work. Hopefully it does. But <laughs> if go abundance.com slash webinar. You can uh, register for a uh, a webinar that we did recently to get a sense of kind of the, what it's all about. But more than that, there's value in that. You can use the content in the webinar and do some really cool stuff around goal setting. Really, it's a compilation of me learning from these you know, multi multi millionaires, how they go about setting and achieving goals. So we have that webinar at the end of that is an offer for you to, uh, to enroll in emerge at a discounted price. So it's probably the best place to go. And look at um, you
0: with the webinar starting in 27 minutes, you're getting really into the, the world of online marketing. My brother, it's like, it's, it's, it's on demand webinars, easy yeah, webinar, yeah. you're getting into CRM the- databases, man, you're, you're just going all in there, brother.
1: All the terminology is interesting. Like, yeah, I've, it's funny to see ads of me pop up on Facebook. And yeah, like, you know, talking to the, the folks that do all the real work. I'm just out there saying, this is what I'd like to have happen. You know, yeah, we're going to make this evergreen. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I, I What you just saw, I guess, is that. So I have no idea how it works, but it is fun to kind of get into that world for nice. sure.
0: I have a personal question here for you before we sure. do start signing off. And I'd also have a final question I want to leave that I usually leave with everybody as well. You just recently got on the Bigger Pockets podcast, so yeah. congratulations!
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: We made the I jo- made the joke a little bit. There was a couple jokes that were funny. If you follow Jamie on his community, the one is you know your son always keeps you grounded and say you know just when you're feeling like your your head's getting too big to walk through the door, you know your son. What, what's your son's name again? Sorry
1: the older one Sebastian Sebastian
0: yeah. Sebastian just has a way of just keeping daddy grounded, right and then you had that opportunity to get on there how was that experience number one and number two was how would another bald brother from another country be able to get onto that podcast
1: well I'll have to I'll see if I can make an introduction on that okay. second part so <laughs> Sorry, I, that. I'm
0: pandering I'm pandering here <laughs>
1: Good enough, man. I'll absolutely I, I think you'd add a ton of value to that group. So yeah, I'll 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 do that afterward. I'll send an email on your behalf. The experience itself and the what you're referencing. I said to my my son, hey buddy, daddy's gonna be on a on a show that gets five hundred thousand people listening to it. And he goes, Well, that's less than a million. I was like, Well, okay, there goes the <laughs> there goes the ego. But it was validation. It was uh, surreal in some ways. Validation of a couple of things because I don't tech like I think they have a certain like number of deals you're supposed to do before you get on that podcast, and I don't. But the hosts, Brandon and David, are both part of GoBundan. So, you know, that connection and networking, who you know, and just adding value and knowing other people, it helps. Cause I had asked about, hey, with Emerge, guys, I'm trying to launch this. Anybody let me on their podcast? Brandon emailed, like, oh, yeah, I thought I already had you on. Let's get you on there. So that was cool. Being on there was sort of, a, a, again, a validation of like, okay. Let me be in this moment right now because three, four years ago, I said, I'm gonna start investing in real estate and I'm listening to all these wow investors on this podcast, the Bigger Pockets podcast. And now I'm the guy on that podcast. You know, we, we get lost in our own emotion and we don't have often look at evidence. So the evidence for me was in that moment of like, okay, I've done something, I've done well enough. I've gone down the path that I set out to be here right now in this experience and be on this podcast. So it created evidence for me more foundation for confidence in making this transition out of the job. So yeah, it was surreal. It was, it was, I mean, I know Brandon, I know David, I've been around them, but like, just when you hear like the quick tip stuff and you're there, it was like, whoa, okay, this is me here, I guess right now. So it was a little surreal, but it was pretty cool. It was really cool.
0: Congratulations. And that definitely deserves a (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) ball. All right. Well, I wish we could have longer here, but I do have to get my daughter to school very shortly here. And, but Final question I want to ask of you is if you can offer my audience something here is, so if somebody's watching this and maybe they're feeling just a little bit, they're feeling a little stuck and they're just not Mm. sure. Maybe they have that hunger and they have that passion. Check, check. All those things are in line and they know that they have that desire and they want to make that change to get a little bit, just get unstuck and take the next step. What advice would you give that person if you had just a 30 to a minute conversation with that person?
1: I would tell them find a new community find a community of people that serves you find a community of people that are that are like-minded you know you're the average of the five people proximity is power all of those cliches are so true so for me it may meant paying for a mastermind because you know i'd rather not try to find them it takes a lot of time i'd rather just pay my fee and there they all are kind of thing and go abundance resonated with me which is why i joined that community and it has served me and i've sought to serve there so Find a community. And then the second thing I would say is whether you pay or don't pay or you find a free community, do everything you can in that community to be somebody that shows up adding value, make connections for people, you know, whatever it may be, but add value to whatever community you seek to join. But find a community and add value to it would be the two things I would say.
0: Oh, awesome. Hang on a sec here. Let me, there's another button I want to share.
1: Hey. Oh, everybody, nice
0: hearts and likes and thumbs up. Ooh, Jamie. Hey, we got an applause. We have a couple uh, soccer whistles in there all at the same time. So, so Jamie, I want to just say thank you. I wanted to say thank you for a couple of reasons. Number one is thank you for being very vulnerable. Like the vulnerability you showed on to your community of making a transition. And you didn't come out a, a typical bravado way and look, you know, I'm going to crush everything. in the Grant Cardone way of typical things there. You, you came across it as a human and you came across it as... We do go through emotional challenges. There are some things we have to bump up against. I'm having some identity crisis. I'm having some challenges times along this. But when I'm here to serve and help you on this journey that I'm going through, we're exactly the same. I might be three years ahead of you, is Mm -hmm. really the take that I got from that. And I just wanted to just thank you for always coming from a place of service and always coming from a place of helping and supporting others on their journey.
1: Wow. You're gonna get me emotional. Thank you, man. I huh. appreciate it, and and even uh, you know the support you've given, and the and the love and 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 information I've gotten from you has been absolutely incredible. So I'm honored, honored, honored to be here more than you could know.
0: Oh well, I think that might be a good place to end off, or else before two bald brothers might actually shed a few tears here. And <laughs> 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 Hang on, uh, there's there's a lot of pollen in the air here. <laughs> no, Jamie, I, just... I really appreciate it. So, what did you think, gang? I sure hope you got as many gold nuggets and bombs dropped as I got from that interview. You know, Jamie, I hope you get a chance to listen to this. I know you're a busy guy, and I know you have lots of podcasts that you're on and ones that you listen to. Just wanted to once again thank you very much for your gracious time, and I I sense another episode coming another probably even two episodes because honest to goodness, I had an entire list of questions that we didn't even get to in this because there is a lot to unpack and a lot to uncover there as well. OK, but before we end off here today, Jamie, just wanted to just say thank you for all your insights, your time and all those amazing pearls of wisdom that you shared with the audience. Before we sign off here, guys, what I wanted to do is just to do a quick mention to you for in the podcast that Jamie and I talked about was surrounding yourself with a community, surrounding yourself with the people that are hold you to a higher standard. Surround yourself with a group of people, a community of people, people that 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 holds you accountable. Okay, that in and of itself is one of the things that I've tried to accomplish within the Raising Capital Academy. So if you are interested in being held accountable through a group and community and overcoming some of the biggest obstacles you will face in real estate, the time, the education, the attitude, the mindset and the money and also building a team. So if you're interested in solving those five biggest pillars that will hold you back from growing and going forward and getting to a point where you potentially can make a transition like Jamie was talking about to leaving a 21 year career and going full time into the business, I highly encourage you to check out the Raising Capital Academy. So wherever you're listening to this podcast episode around in the show notes, there will be a link there. And if you don't see any links there, by all means, just go to my website at Russell westcott.com. And there'll be a big giant link on there and how I can help you. It's called the Raising Capital Academy. Strongly encourage you to check out all those resources and would love to have you a part of that community and group and help you move forward. Okay, gang. Now, with all that being said, you know how we end off each and every one of these podcasts. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.